Welcome to Sunday Morning at First Presbyterian Church. I'm Pastor Danny Deeth, and in response to the events of the amazing resurrection at Easter, it now becomes our job to discern how we respond to the events of Holy Week and Christ being raised from the dead. We are to discern how we are being led to live, to change our lives, to care for others, to welcome others to Christ's table. This is our call and our challenge. Let's do this together. Come on in. Our first reading is 1 Thessalonians 1 through 10. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We always give thanks to God for all of you and mention you in our prayers constantly remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters, beloved by God, that he has chosen for you because our message of the gospel came to you not in word only, but also in power, and in the Holy Spirit, and with full conviction, just as you know what kind of persons we prove to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord. For in spite of persecution, you received the word with joy inspired by the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. For the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but in every place your faith in God has become known, so that we have no need to speak about it. For the people of those regions report about us what kind of welcome we had among you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve a living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the wrath that is coming. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 1 Peter 4, 7 through 11. Listen for the word of the Lord. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be serious and discipline yourselves for the sake of your prayers. Above all, maintain constant love for one another, for love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaining. Like good stewards of the manifold grace of God, serve one another with whatever gift each of you has received. Whoever speaks must do so as one speaking the very words of God. Whoever serves must do so with the strength that God supplies 
so that God may be glorified in all things through Jesus Christ. To him belong the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Friends, I want to start by lifting up Ellie Wiesel, American pronunciation, to you this morning. If that sounds familiar to you, um, he is a concentration camp survivor from World War II, wrote a book of uh, uh, mostly autobiographical experiences uh, called Night. Um, I know I had to read that as required reading some point in my educational journey. And I want to lift up some of his experience early in his time. Uh, he and his family were from Romania. The Nazis invaded, and they were sent to Auschwitz. His mother and daughter, uh, I'm sorry, his mother and younger sister were killed immediately. His two older sisters survived. They reunited after the war. He and his father were sent to Auschwitz. I'm going to read a few selections from this early experience. So they are coming, just having arrived at Auschwitz, and there is a guard. They are in a processing line, and the guard is dividing them to go left or right. We did not know which was the better side, right or left, which road led to prison and which to the crematory. But for the moment, I was happy I was near my father. Our procession continued to move slowly forward. Another prisoner came up to us, satisfied. Yes, someone replied, poor devils, you're going to the crematory. He seemed to be telling the truth. Not far from us, flames were leaping up from a ditch, gigantic flames. They were burning something. A lorry drew up at the pit and delivered its load. Little children, babies. Yes, I saw it, saw it with my own eyes, those children in the flames. Is it surprising that I could never sleep after that? Sleep had fled from my eyes. So this is where we were going. A little farther on was a larger ditch for adults. I pinched my face. Was I still alive? Was I awake? I could not believe it. How could it be possible for them to burn people, children, and for the world to keep silent? No, none of this could be true. It was a nightmare. Soon I should wake with a start, my heart pounding, and find myself back in the bedroom of my childhood among my books. My forehead was bathed in cold sweat. But I told him, him uh, uh, Ellie speaking to his father, that I did not believe that they could burn people in our age, that humanity would never tolerate it. Humanity, humanity, his father said, is not concerned with us. Today, anything is allowed. Anything is possible, even the crematories. His voice was choking. He was weeping, his body was shaking convulsively. Around us, everyone was weeping. Someone began to recite the Kaddish, the prayer for the dead. I do not know if it had ever happened before in the long history of the Jews that people have ever recited the prayer for the dead for themselves. This was but a snapshot of the horror 
of the World War II Jewish experience in the concentration camps, the horror of just this one moment. Later, um, Elie Wiesel's father would be killed not too long before the April 1945 um, freeing by the Allies the liberation of the death camps. I bring this up because September 17, 2003, I was an associate pastor in, at White Memorial Presbyterian Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. And at Meredith College, an all-women's college there in Raleigh, Ellie Wiesel came to speak. And Vicki and I went. I still have the, the program from that event framed. It sits in my office on my bookshelves. And it, I see it on a regular basis. The title of his speech was Against Indifference, The Urgency of Hope. And he spoke more so in his later writings, and I'm going to share some specific quotes with you about indifference and what indifference does to those who are suffering. I'm going to lift out a few quotes from that speech from 2003. <clears throat> indifference and hope are incompatible. Why is indifference important? It is so seductive. Indifference to evil is evil, he said, adding that indifferent people do not concern themselves with the plight of others. At one point, as a part of their tortures, the, Nazi, the Nazis told the victims there that no one cared about them. One thing that we can do is to tell them, the victims of any awful crime or event, that we care Humans must also have hope, Wiesel says, and offer hope to others. The soul cannot live without hope. I think we find that to be true, don't you? Sometimes our hope is more full, sometimes it is closer to empty, but as Christians, that's at the core of who we are. Our hope is in our God, our risen Christ, and the Holy Spirit that resides within us. The soul cannot live without hope. <clears throat> to offer hope, humans must possess the courage to take action against the people who victimize others. Neutrality never helps the victim. It only helps the aggressor. He goes on to say, there is hope at the end of the tunnel and there is hope even in the tunnel. And then finally, he speaks about how some of this applied to his day. Remember, we were in 2003 when he said, the Holocaust lessons are still relevant today in 2003 in issues such as human rights violations in Bosnia, Rwanda, terrorism and the war in Iraq. He argued for continued peace efforts in the Middle East. So as someone who experienced the worst of human nature, the worst of brokenness and evil and darkness and pain and suffering, he was first speaking against indifference. Indifference means we are not 
acting for those who are being harmed. And he says, indifference and hope do not go together. It is hope that allows us to share who we are, what we've been given, so that the world is not overcome with indifference and gives up on the horrors that we see in our time, internationally, nationally, locally. The name of that speech again was Against Indifference, the Urgency of Hope. Our stewardship campaign this year is borrowing that second half, the urgency of hope. And Peter talks to us some about what this means. How can I do something about a war across the world? How can I do something about suffering? Because there seems to be so much. Peter responds to us in 1 Peter 4, 7 through 11. And real quick to set the context, we think that Peter, the disciple, wrote this book, 1 Peter. There's 1 and 2 Peter in the New Testament. And Peter is writing to Christians who have moved out of the area between Galilee and Bethlehem, Jerusalem, and have moved north and west into what is now Turkey and different areas there, kind of the diaspora at this point. As Nero, the emperor of Rome, is starting to persecute Christians, Christians moved and kind of spread out into other areas where the persecution was less intense. So Peter's word is to a people who are suffering, to a people who have been displaced to a certain degree, who are seeking to be inspired to stay in on their Christian path. So how does Peter tell us then that we engage in these whores in the world? Above all, maintain constant love for one another. Again, a consistent theme all the way through the Bible. Love covers a multitude of sins, be hospitable to one another without complaining. And this is our focus. Like good stewards of the manifold grace of God, let's take that phrase, like good stewards of the manifold grace of God, what does manifold mean? It means many or a variety. So, we are stewards of the variety of things that make up the gifts of grace that God has given us. We are stewards like Vicki talked about. She was given that plant to take care of it. We have been given more in our charge by our God who has created us and given us the gifts that we have, who we are, where we are, who we are with, to be stewards and to share that. To do what then with those gifts? Serve one another with whatever gift each of you has received. Now, God created each of us with our own set of gifts. Each of us is different and unique. Some of us may have some gifts as others, but each of us 
is unique in the sense that we were created with our particular mindset, our personality, and our gifts. Our gifts are mental, our gifts are physical, our gifts are spiritual. Our gifts have to do with what we've been given, and friends, we've been given everything by God. Our lives, as those who have been created by our Creator God, is a gift. Creation, the world, the gift of Christ, the gift of God with us through the Holy Spirit are all gifts. But so too is your ability to do what you do, whether that is a vocation, whether that is um, at that and in the home or in the community, the things that you do and the ways that you do what you do are gifts that you've been given that allow you to be productive, to help others, to, be, to participate in groups and share and earn livings and contribute to culture, society, and the world. All of these are gifts that we've been given. And we are to be stewards of them. Stewardship and discipleship go hand in hand. Think about those original disciples, the 12 who were with Jesus for that short period of time. They were with him through the miracles. They saw him teach and heal. They saw him engage the power structure, the oppressive power structure. They saw him crucified. They saw him resurrected. They saw him before he ascended, giving charge to them to go out into the world, making disciples in the name of the Father and the, 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 Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all I have commanded you. What if they had said that was an amazing trip? That was an amazing time for those three years. I wrote it all down. I'm going to pass it down to my kids. I'm going back to being a fisherman or a tax collector or a zealot. If they did not use the gift of being with Christ and all they were empowered by the Holy Spirit at Pentecost to go and to do, we would not be here today. It is incumbent upon every generation to use the gifts they've been given. We are here because those who came before us used the gifts that they were given to proclaim the risen Christ in the world, certainly in our faith community. So stewardship gets reduced to trivialities. It is dismissive and trite to say that stewardship is just about money and paying the bills. It is not, although it includes, obviously, our church family. Stewardship is discipleship. Stewardship is responding to God with using what we've been given. And we've been given what we've been given, not just for our use, just like faith, just like love, just like discipleship. It grows when we share it. It grows when we share it with others, when we reach out to serve others with our gifts. You know the feeling of what it's like, the joy, when we help others in the ways that we can. They grow, we grow by sharing it. Stewardship is to evaluate what our gifts are and how we are responding to what we have been given. And again, it is the nature of our very lives. We have been given gifts 
We are stewards so that we serve. And then the very end of this passage says, whoever serves must do so with the strength that God supplies. Which means that not only have we been given gifts, not only are we being set aside to be disciples and stewards of what we've been given, but God gives us the strength to do so should we seek that. We have the strength. It is here. It is for us to open ourselves and embrace the spirit of that strength so that then we are stewards in the world so that what Ellie Wiesel experienced does not happen again. When each of us use these gifts, the gifts of Christ, the love, joy, peace, the manifold gifts of grace in a variety of ways of what that means when we share them in the world, it counters the evil and the darkness and the brokenness that is out there. Preacher, I'm just one drop. What difference can I make? But when you share your drop and Matt shares his, Sophia shares hers, Sid shares his, Faye shares hers. When all of us share our gifts together, we are meant to do this in community. It is why we have faith communities and families in faith. We come together and we can do more and we have and we can and we will continue to change the world by being the stewards of the faith, hope, joy, and resurrected Christ that we have been given. It is about community. It is about strength. And it is about us saying we must counter what we see every day in the horrible wars that are raging from all of the societal ills in our communities as well, the crime and the death and the violence and the hatred. All of that we are called to engage and encounter as individuals and as a faith community. This is not the time for First Presbyterian Church to shrink its witness in the world because we are seeking to hoard our gifts. God gave them manna in the wilderness and say, do not hoard it, it will go bad. Gifts are meant to be used, faith is meant to be used, and in doing so, they grow. So as we begin this stewardship journey, it is our time. It is our opportunity to embrace the urgency of hope as stewards of the love, grace, and peace of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Amen.